0: Hi gang, good to see you again, and I know that you're happy to be with me again in my red shirt. Um, I, uh, I'm 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 full of hope that this semester has been a blessing for you, that you've appreciated all the teaching, and that your drill groups have been a place where you can process what's happening, repent, and start to grow more. Um, and move towards Christ-likeness because you're actually putting um, some wheels beneath the things that we're talking about. So I, uh, I just trust that you're, you're dealing with strongholds in your life as well as developing skills around things like repentance. So I want to ask you, as, I, as is my want, I want to ask you a couple of review questions. Um, when somebody asks you whether you're born again... How do you know if you're born again? How do you know? Think about that. How do you know if you're born again? It's as easy as one, two, three. First John two, three says, um, we know that we have come to know him if we obey his commands, obedience. And I'll ask you a companion to that question, which is what's a great way to get deceived? How do you know? Good way to get deceived. Well, the Bible says that if you hear God's words and you don't act on them, you will be deceived. So, man, I'm gonna. We're about to. We're about to dive back into the scriptures. We're gonna talk about a new skill tonight, and I want to encourage you. Uh, even warn you that um, a new skill will require action on your part. It will require obedience. So, I, I want to encourage you to be sensitive tonight, even while we're talking. That you would, um, as you're taking notes, you'd be sensitive to go, what is God wanting me to do? And if you feel a prompt in your heart, man, take a note, right? Write it down somewhere. I have to do this. I have to call this person. I have to confess this thing, whatever. Um, because I want to be obedient to what God's saying to me. Um. We'd said that our sort of central passage was uh, for skills is the end of Hebrews chapter 5 and the beginning of Hebrews chapter 6. And right at the beginning of Hebrews chapter 6, it says, again, Leaving the discussion of the elementary principles of Christ, let us go on to perfection or maturity, not laying again the foundation of, and then it lists six skills. And the first three are repentance from dead works, which you guys are so... You're so old hands at it. You're incredibly skilled at repenting now to faith towards God. You should have been developing some skills around faith towards God and you know how to do that. And that would include humbling yourself, um, being exposed to God's word, obeying in the things that you feel he's telling you to do, um, confessing your sins. These are all ways to build faith. Um. And number three is instruction about baptisms. Now, isn't that weird? You could see how maybe, now that you understand what repentance really is, how that would that could really mature you and grow you up, and that's a skill that you need to know how to do. You might even understand how faith could be a skill, that if I do these things, these things result. But how can baptism be a skill? Have you ever thought about that? Because where I, when, I, when I grew up, Whenever anybody said baptism, we thought one thing, and that was getting dunked in water. And how how could that be a skill? Are you going to be a great dunker in water guy? No, no, no. The Bible says um, a whole bunch of stuff about baptisms that, if you've never looked at it, you'll find um, revealing. And I hope you'll find um, some some encourage because I want I hope you feel encouraged to do it. I was going to say because um, we have an ambition. We have an ambition in us to be like Jesus. Romans 8, 29 says that it's our destiny to be conformed into his image. And so the Bible describes baptisms as being like these really important gates that we all have to walk through on our journey towards Christ-likeness. We walk through these gates. So being skilled in them would mean, I think, understanding how they all work, and then how I can walk through them and how I can help other people to walk through them. So our first blanks on your sheet here is, being skilled in baptism is the God-ordained way for you to become connected and stay connected. It's kind of God's orientation program into the deeper things of his heart, and it's the way to stay connected. And what what we find when we investigate this stuff is that... All baptisms include an initial thing that happens, and then there's also an enduring skill that happens for the rest of your life that goes with any of them. So, let's talk about uh, baptism in general before we get into details. There are at least five baptisms mentioned in Scripture. And in each case, and in every baptism, there is always one, a medium. That is the something into which you're baptized. There's always, number two, a baptizer, the person person who does the baptizing. And we're going to identify those for each of these baptisms. What's the medium into which you get baptized and who does the baptizing? Baptism is always a picture of, important phrase here, voluntary death and subsequent resurrection so it's your choice to undergo any of the things that we're about to talk about but i can promise you that if you'll undergo them um, as an act of your will that what will result is a resurrection that's better than the life you had previously and we're going to talk about resurrection at length next semester but I. I'm real in on resurrection because um, God does amazing things in us anytime we follow him into some hard choice that he's calling us into if he says you know empty out your savings and give it away well that's a death you're you're describing a kind of death but I know if it's God that's leading me into that death there's a resurrection coming on the back side of it that's going to be better than anything I've known previously so voluntary death, subsequent resurrection. And I'll just say this uh, when we're, ta- as we're talking about big picture stuff, to baptize means to immerse. And <clears throat> that's an important picture for for what we'll be talking about, to be immersed in, to be surrounded by, and consumed by, and enveloped by something. Um, biblically, sprinkling is not is not it doesn't square with what how the Bible describes baptism? It's to be totally immersed in something. Okay, here we go. You ready? We're going to review um, the three key baptisms. That's going to be our time um, together today. Is just these three key baptisms. And the first one is you ready? Here goes. The first baptism is baptism is into Christ. That's the first blank there. Being baptized into Christ. So what is the medium? Well, it's Christ being baptized into him. Um, And if you think about his body, what, what is Christ's body around the world? It's this network of people who know him and walk with him. And to get baptized into Christ means to be surrounded by and enveloped by that community in that world and to find a new identity inside that, inside that scene. So um, the immerser, I'll talk about this more in a second, but trust me as you fill in your blank here, that the immerser, the one who does the baptizing, is the Holy Spirit. He's the person who baptizes you and me into the body of Christ. Okay, 1 Corinthians 12, 13 says so. It says, we were all baptized by one spirit into one body. Whether you're a Jew or a Gentile, slave or free, and we were all given the one spirit to drink. So the spirit is the one that baptized us into Christ. This is also called conversion. And it signifies us joining the body or the family of God. It's conversion. When somebody gets baptized into Christ, it's when the Bible says they move from death to life. Um, The Bible describes it as opening up your heart to him and receiving him. This um, This is when your basic belief about whether God can save me or not gets transformed and it happens in an instant. How long does it take to believe? It happens in an instant. And as soon as you believe and call out to him, the Bible says you call out to him, you're saved. So that's conversion. And um, I I wanna be good at, at helping people through this doorway. I said baptisms is a series of gates. This is a pretty important gate and I wanna help people through this gate. When I find somebody who's asking questions or even somebody that's crying out about life in general, I need help. I need somebody to heal me. I always say, I know a Savior. Are you, are you interested in somebody that can save you? Because I know somebody who can. Well, I want you to open up your hearts and I want you to call out to him. The Bible says if you call out to him, you will be saved. And, and say it with your mouth. So I wanna, I'm going to do this for each of them also. I'm going to use this kind of triangle that we use to describe some things because things that, are, that have spiritual reality, they tend to have three components of it. One is what we call an up component. That is, what does it do to between me and God? How does it change our relationship? Secondly, an in component. That is, what does it do inside me or, or in my little world that might include my family or my community? And then thirdly, an out component. And that is, how does it change the way that I relate to the world out there, the world outside myself? So I'm going to explore each of those with um, each baptism. So here we go into the up for being baptized into Christ. The up purpose of baptism is that it produces with regards to me and God, it produces righteousness in me. I become righteous, not because I'm a good guy or I stop I stop sinning but because now I'm inside Christ and he's righteous. So when God looks at me, he has to look through Jesus to see me. And so I'm righteous because of Jesus. The second thing is that it changes my identity. Again, imagine me being baptized into a giant body. And I'm, uh, you know, imagine a 20 foot body here and I get baptized inside that body. Well, my identity's changed because now I'm inside that larger, more powerful body. It's the body of Christ. And now I have this thing called sonship, which I never had before. And we, we see a lot of people, and this might be you, we see a lot of people who have been born again, they've gone through this conversion, and they've never taken the time to actually investigate what does it mean that my identity's changed? What does it mean that now I'm a son of God? What does it mean now that um, I'm righteous in God's eyes and I don't have to worry about performing for Him anymore? because he accepts me totally based on the fact that I'm now in Christ. If that's you, um, I would encourage you to spend a significant amount of time investigating that stuff. What usually happens for believers is that they gloss over that stuff. They do start doing a bunch of church work and about 10 years later they have a life crash and realize, you know what? I never really um, got established in my new identity. I never got established in the fact that God receives me just as I am now because of the righteousness of Christ. And understanding grace and your new identity in Christ is a huge thing. It's a life-altering, worldview-changing transformation that happens in folks. And if you've never spent the time investigating, I, I would beg you to spend some time You're going to do yourself a big favor and everybody that comes after you, if you'll spend some time there. It changes our our, our righteousness and our identity. I mean, we could have a whole class on that, so I'm not going to go on anymore about that. Secondly, our in is that it changes, it brings a death towards my efforts toward God. All of my efforts toward God, the Bible describes the law. That's me trying to be a good guy and trying to prove to God that he should accept me based on Um, my history of doing nice, good things that I think are somehow count on the scorecard, the magic scorecard in the sky. Baptism into Christ means I'm done with that. There's no more trying to tap dance for God so that he'll like me, so that I'll feel like I'm a good guy and I can get that guilt monkey off my back. By the way, Guilt is, is an, e- then shame is an evil spirit and we should deal with it and just tell it to leave and repent of it. Repent of participating in shame. If God, if God says that you're guilty of some sin, great, confess it, confess it to somebody. But what I have often found because of religion and because of the law is that I'll confess a sin to somebody and I'll continue to feel guilty and shame about it. Well, that's not the Lord. And so this this guilt stuff it's got to go. It's got to it's got to leave us. It can't be allowed to sit on us. And when the fact that I'm now alive in Christ means that I don't have any guilt. There's nothing left. All of my sins all they are is the thing that got me to depend on Jesus in the first place. I mean, I I don't want to put too much stock in my sin. All of my identity is in him anymore and and he's who I am. He is who, who I'm becoming. So Death to my, to my efforts toward God. I'm going to read from Philippians 3. It says, Whatever were gains to me now, uh, whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. And what is more, I consider everything a loss because of, this, because of the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ and be found in him. Now, listen, we're talking about being baptized into him. I consider all of my efforts garbage so that I can have Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, a series of do's and don'ts, but that which is through faith, ding, 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 we like that, faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and the participating in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. That's what baptism is, becoming like him in his death. And so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. There's so much good stuff in that passage. But among it is Paul saying, I believe that when I die in Christ, I get this new resurrection that's unlike anything before, and one of the things I die to when I'm in Christ is the law. Lastly, the out. What does the out do in this first baptism? Well, the out is that I become a person of obedience. The result is obedience. You know 1 John 2, 3. How do I know that I'm born again, that I've received this baptism? Well, I become an obedient son. I do what I hear my God, my God saying, and it might be because I see it in the scripture, and I can read, oh, he tells me to do that. Okay, I'm gonna go obey or because I feel something in my heart. I get off the phone with my mom and I say, I was rude just now. I think I'm supposed to call her back and apologize. Oh, I don't really want to. I don't really want to. God's telling me to. I'm, I, I obey. I'm going to do it. Okay, that's the first baptism. <clears throat> that is a one-time thing. Being born again and, and being baptized into the body of Christ is a one-time thing, but there's an ongoing skill which is staying properly related to the body. And, and I'll just say this for all of us. I, I'm stunned, it seems like monthly, at people who are believers, they've been born again, they know God, and yet they don't have a proper relationship with his body. And they end up burned because of it. They're hurt in the long run. Their gifts aren't matured. They don't receive from other people the way that they could. um, And their their growth is stunted because of the way that they relate to the body. So I'll give you a couple of tips on relating to the body. We must give and receive. You should be in a community of believers where you're giving your gifts, whatever your gifts are. You have a platform to express those gifts. If it's serving, you have a group of people that expect you and allow you and, and affirm you and encourage you to serve them that's your gift. And you're also in a place where you're receiving. You're receiving from other people. You're connected to apostles and prophets and evangelists and pastors and teachers. And we're all doing our thing with each other. And I'm receiving and I'm giving. And we have this healthy give and take. You can't do that, by the way, sitting in an auditorium that seats 3,000 people. You can't give and receive your gifts there. You need to be connected to people who know your name, They know your story and you're giving gifts and you're receiving gifts from people if you don't have that community number one take the gift that's given to you right now with your drill group and just start acting like their community they're your community number two start asking god say look i got baptized into christ but i i do not have this health of being properly related to his body god show me the people that you want me connected to i believe god can display those people for you first corinthians 12 says he puts He connects the parts of the body and he puts them in place just as he sees fit. So just start asking him, God, where am I supposed to be connected? Who am I supposed to be connected to? Maybe I can serve some people and get into some relationships that are healthy. Anyways, I want you you to have that. We are learning, next blank, we are learning unity and interdependence, not isolation nor dependence, just like the parts of a body every part of the body it gives and receives. It's not independent, nor is it unnaturally dependent where it it gives nothing. Um, That that would be a weird family member that only took and never gave to anybody else. That would be um, unhealthy. 1 Corinthians 12, 12 says, just as a body has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. And I don't know if you've considered that picture in 1 Corinthians 12, but it simply says, look, each of us has a unique role to play in the body, okay? I think, I hope that it's true, that I'm serving Christ, I think, by just teaching this content to you guys. Now, there's not hundreds of people that are teaching this content. I think that it's part of my job. I think it's part of my role to the body. But I couldn't be doing this right now if Samantha weren't running the video camera and Tina hadn't coordinated all this and the person at the front of the room hadn't put the thing together for your, your groups and your drill group wasn't doing their job and your leaders were all doing it, there's this organism that's about give and take and that we're all giving and receiving to each other. None of us are supposed to be doing what the other does. It, the, the Bible says that. If the whole body were an eyeball, how weird would that be? that would not be a healthy organism. It couldn't walk around, it couldn't hear, all the things that we do as a body, and that's the way it's supposed to be with our relationships, which kind of cuts out all of the jealousy that we feel and all of the insecurity. Well, I wish I could do what Brian Tome does. I only do what I do. Well, bless Brian Tome to go do what he does. You're only supposed to do what you do. So um, we're supposed to be properly connected so I'll just say, what do I do to stay properly connected with people? Um, I have some guys that I meet with regularly that know me to, to my core. I'm, I am brutally honest with those guys. I mentor some guys. So I, have, I, I think I have some healthy places where I'm giving and serving. I also have some men that I serve. They, I consider them to be my superiors and they're mentors to me and they're fathers to me. And so I spend time with those guys receiving from them. And I want to have all of these healthy places in my life. All right. Now, I'm going to read a passage before we go into the second baptism. Because there's, a, there's a, a lot of junk in here that's uh, worth unpacking. It's not junk. I mean, it's good stuff, but it's worth unpacking. So I'm just going to read from Luke chapter 3. Okay, verse 3 says... He came into the neighboring region of the Jordan and he preached the immersion or the baptism of repentance for forgiveness of sins. And there's a prophecy from Isaiah. Well, he starts saying to these people, um, you must produce the fruit. This is verse eight. You must produce the fruit worthy of repentance. And don't say to yourselves, Abraham is our father. I'm telling you to go produce Fruit. He says, "Every tree not making good fruit is cut down and cast into a fire." He's talking about our second baptism. I'm going to put a button in that, because I'll be back into Luke three in a second. He's talking about baptism into water. So that's our second baptism. That's the second medium, is water. And you get baptized into water by a priest. Now who's qualified to be a priest? Raise your hand. Bing. All of you. you're all qualified. If if you're baptized into Christ, you're qualified to be a priest. He's preaching about baptism into water, and it's by a priest. And here's what happens, is that it's a baptism of repentance, and it's for new life. What, What it gets you is new life. So that's the up component of this baptism, is that it's just like repentance. I mean, you guys know what repentance is. This is the physical, um, this is the physical move that kind of is repentance from a physical standpoint. What do I do when I repent, not just of specific sins, but now I'm repenting of my whole life, all of my past, my 30 years of not walking with Jesus, all of the things I've tried to do to assuage my guilt, to try to feel like a good guy, all of my pride and anger and all of my crap in my past. All of it, if I could lump all of my past into a ball and say, I repent for the whole thing, God, that's water baptism. And you're saying, I need a new life. So when you come to him the first time, this is distinguished from baptism into Christ, because when we come to to Christ um, to be born again, what we're saying to him is, I need a savior. Will you save me? I need help. And his answer to that question is yes. He did this for the thief on the cross. He said, will you save me, basically? And Jesus said to him, yes, I will save you. Well, the thief on the cross never made it to this second, to this second uh, portal, this second um, you know, window into maturity, which is baptism into water, in which we say, wow, you've saved me. You're so good. And now it's dawning on me that everything I've ever pursued that wasn't you offends you. And it hurt me and I want to repent for the whole machine, the whole kit and caboodle in the background. And he says, his answer to that is, no problem. You, rep- you get baptized into water and you get a new life out of the deal. So it changes our relationship with God in that um, no more is my past between me and the Father. Um, I get to walk into a new life where I go, I'm cutting off all of these old associations I have Sometimes it might even be relationships, actual human relationships that I'm, I'm changing the direction of my life and I'm, I want to walk with you and I, wanna, I, I want you to, to lead me in everything that I do, which takes me to the second point, which is the end component is it brings death. Every baptism is a death and a resurrection and this brings, this is about death to the world and its ways. Now, I'm going to go directly to 1 Peter 3 here because 1 Peter 3 talks to us. It says that an analog for water baptism is Noah and the ark. So think about what happened with Noah. He got his family into this ark. They were shut up into it. Then water covered the earth. They were separated from the whole world. The entire world around them died. And they were saved out of it into a new life. Peter says that's a picture of what happens to you when you get baptized in water. You get shut up into Christ in a new way. The whole world and all of its influence in you dies. And you are willing to do it. You're willing to say, look, um, the influence on me that movies have had, the influence on me that unbelieving friends have had the influence over me that alcohol has had whatever you're is you're saying i don't want any of that stuff anymore i want to be like noah's ark i want to get in there all that stuff to die and i want you to take me to a new place i've never seen and i want to start a new life with you that's significant right repentance leads to salvation it's a good deal that's the end thing that happens. And the result, the out, the, the out part, the result is fruit that comes from repentance. And, and we just heard John the Baptist say that. He said, Anybody who gets baptized in water, I expect to see fruit from you. Well, that's going to be natural if repentance happens. I mean, anybody who has experienced real repentance about anything, it could be something like lust. Um, you confess sin. Um, You get forgiven for it. You get the enemy off your turf. You receive the Holy Spirit and you walk out into a new level of purity that you've never experienced before and you start experiencing a new life. That's fruit. That's the fruit of repentance. And John says that will come for anybody who walks through water baptism. Um, I'll just say this about myself that Dora and I have had conversation for years that in the church I grew up in, I was, uh, I, I was born again, and immediately, because I went to a Baptist church, immediately, as soon as you're born again, they just grab you, no matter what your understanding is, and just throw you in some water. You know, there you go. Water baptism for me wasn't about repentance. I didn't even understand repentance, I'd say, until I was, I don't know, 10 years later. Um, so, I told her uh, pretty recently, I, I feel like I want to get baptized in water because now I understand what repentance is, and I didn't previously. And we, I think it was this past year that we we did it in my backyard, and we got some friends over, and then one of these men I respect named David came over and baptized me, and it seems like a little late and a little out of order. But that's the way that it's supposed to work. And I would encourage anybody, if you haven't done this thing, it's not, I don't think that it's just symbolic to go through water. I think it's part of physically repenting. And, and John talks about it like it's a really potent thing. And that's what the scriptures seem to hold up. So that's my story. And John's baptism, I'll just read this paragraph to you. John's baptism, a baptism of repentance. Repentance. It, like the washing of Levitical offerings, this is Old Testament when you're going to make an offering out of a cow or something, they had to wash them in water. And it says like the Levitical offerings, it prepares us to be an offering. When you get baptized in water, you're saying, all right, I'm ready. You can kill me now, God. I'm ready to be an offering to you. I'll follow you down the rabbit hole. You can do whatever you want in my life. And I'm always um, very cautious when people tell me they want to be baptized in water. And I I just ask them a a series of robust questions. I just go, what are your intentions here? Well, I I just want to say that I love him. Okay, that's not water baptism. You don't want water baptism. If you're saying to him, I'm ready to die for you and I'm ready to end every other allegiance and I want to live only for you. All right, you're ready for water baptism because it's the picture, again, of these, the Levites preparing an animal to be burned on the altar. And they would ceremonially wash them in water. They put them on the, then they put them on the altar and burn them. And they don't exist anymore. So if you're ready to say bye-bye to the present you and say hello to the new you in Christ, then you're a great candidate um, to be baptized in water and take on a life of discipleship. It is giving over of oneself, so repentance is necessary here. It's not not an add on, it's absolutely necessary. This is one time only, but there is skill in a lifestyle of repentance, which you guys are already old hands at. A lifestyle of repentance. God will uncover more as we grow up, because as we know, salvation is a process, right? It's not an event that happens one time, it's a process, it's an unfolding. I found in my life God will put his finger on things that I'll go, oh, that's been in me for 40 years. But I didn't, I wasn't ready to recognize it. I didn't see it until right now because I had to get to whatever level of maturity I'm at right now to be sensitive enough for him to speak to this one thing. He's doing this with all of us. He's he's continually um, pulling back the layers of the onion. That's how he works with us. So It's gonna be an uncovering process and you have to have a lifestyle of repentance if you wanna keep growing in him and keep the process of salvation going. So the ongoing skill is in having a, last blank, lifestyle of repentance, okay. Now, John baptized Jesus, but he expected to be baptized by him, which is interesting. But Jesus never performed water baptism. He went out of his way to say, I don't do that. I I don't perform that baptism. He had a different kind of baptism to perform. Drum roll. Go back to Luke 3 and let's see what, what John's about to say. This is right after him talking about the kind of baptism that he performed. Verse 15, the people looked for and considered everything in their hearts concerning John, whether he might be the Messiah. And John answered, saying to them all, I immerse you in water, but one mightier than I is coming and I am not worthy to loose the thong of his sandals. He will immerse you, baptize you in the Holy Spirit and fire. So there he reveals, there's, there's at least one other baptism for us, and it's the last one we're going to talk about. Number three is baptism into the Holy Spirit. He says that Jesus will baptize, so that's the answer for who does the baptizing. It's by Jesus. He's the immerser. He's the one that baptizes us into the Holy Spirit. So it's kind of weird. You think of the, ba- the Holy Spirit baptizes us into the body of Christ, And then they switch places and Jesus, now we're in him and he baptizes us into the Holy Spirit. But that's what the scriptures represent. Let's talk about the up and out. The up is that it changes, this baptism in the Holy Spirit changes um, my, it changes my relationship with God in that it gives me power and intimacy. And we'll share with you some passages that say just that. It it produces power and intimacy with him. We, um, at man camps, we talk to a lot of guys who don't know what they need, but they just come and share, I just need power. I just feel out of gas. I don't know what I need, but I, I feel powerless. And whenever I hear a guy start talking about power and needing more access to power and I just kind of go, I know exactly what you need. You need the Holy Spirit. Have you ever received the Holy Spirit? And invariably there you go, no, I don't know what that is. Okay, great. Well, we're just going to give you the Holy Spirit because he promises power. First John, no, it's not first John. It's Acts 1.8 says you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. You will receive power. Okay, that changes our up with God. We have more intimacy with him. We hear his voice more. Um, there's a level of intimacy that happens between us and him. How, how it happens, you know, let me just review. Um, usually somebody walks you through the first baptism of being born into Christ. And they would encourage you, you know, just receive him. And a lot of times a prayer, which isn't totally necessary, but sure helps. Um, a prayer can kind of make that go for you um, being born again, being baptized in water. That always happens from another person. That can happen in a hot tub like it did for me um, this last year. You can get baptized in a swimming pool. You can get baptized in an official baptistry, whatever. Um, What matters is that it's done by someone that you trust. We always encourage that there's a there is a community of believers there and, and family. We like family to be there because it's supposed to be a public display of, of uh, your repentance. Um, I was about to tell a story um, of, that I had heard from believers in India. And basically the point of the story is that when you're baptized in water, that's when you start getting persecuted. You can say you believe whatever, But when you get baptized in water, it's done publicly. And people know now he belongs only to Jesus and he rejects all other gods. He won't pray to or worship anybody else. And that's when they know, aha, a change has happened in you. And that's appropriate. That's what should be happening. Um, For baptism in the Holy Spirit, typically what we see scripturally is that somebody else is there also. The normative thing is that there's a laying on of hands that happens. Somebody, you know, comes and lays hands on you, prays for you, and you receive the Holy Spirit. My story, real quick, was um, when I was in my early 20s, I was in college. I lived in Nashville, and I was, I started hanging around this church where they were teaching about the Holy Spirit. I'd never grown up learning anything about the Holy Spirit, and there was this there was an open, kind of open ministry time. You could go talk with some elders and they'd pray for you. So I went and met with these guys and said, listen, I'm, I'm a Baptist kid, but I love Jesus and I want him. And I don't know anything about this Holy Spirit stuff, but I, I want the Holy Spirit. And they said, uh, no problem, have a seat, son. And these two old guys laid their hands on me. They prayed a really quick prayer and suddenly my body started shaking. And I had never, I had never heard of that before. I had never seen that. And I certainly had no expectation or understanding of what was happening in my body. I just knew my body started shaking while these guys were praying for me. I didn't feel anything particularly odd um, inside. I just knew that I was shaking. And they just said, now, Holy Spirit, we want you to come. Stephen wants to receive you. And then one of these guys said to me, Stephen, I think that the Lord wants to, uh, I think you need to speak in tongues or pray in tongues. And I thought, I don't know how to, <laughs> I don't know how to do that. I had hardly even know what that is. I don't think I'd ever seen anybody do that before. And um, so I sat there and I went, okay. I just kind of sat, well, I don't know how that works. So we sat there a while and one of these other, uh, the other guy said, now, Stephen, you have to make a sound with your mouth. And, um, oh, Okay, I don't know. Okay, sure. And I had, learned, I had just learned at that time about humbling yourself before God and that he gives grace to you when you humble yourself. And so I thought, okay, well, I might feel stupid doing this. I'll definitely feel stupid. But if the worst that could happen is I humble myself before God, he'll give grace to me for that. So, okay, I'll do it. So I'm still sitting there shaking and I made a sound with my mouth. And as soon as I made a sound, I just spilled out syllables, just random crazy syllables. I couldn't even catch my breath. Stuff was just streaming out of me. I was still conscious, you know, I was cognizant of what was happening and just going, well, this is bizarre. And these old guys started laughing, well, thank you, Lord, while all this crazy stuff's coming out of me. And then it kind of stopped, I'm still shaking, and, and they kind of prayed a little more. They're just kind of trying to listen to God's voice. What do you want in this moment? And one of them says, Stephen, I think you're supposed to pray for somebody right now. And the first guy that came into my mind was this guy who I hated, who was my music minister from my home church. He was a grandstanding, fake show-off butthole, didn't like the guy. Bless him. Um, at, and he came into mind, So I thought, okay, I'll pray for him. And I opened my mouth to pray for him. And again, syllables that I do not understand came shooting out of my mouth again. And anyways, that was sort of the end of that experience. That was the shaking stopped. Well, come on back anytime. Ha ha ha. I left and I just had a, that was a weird, you know, to go through that thing. And I've also had the experience where you sort of you know, conk out and you end up laying down on the floor. I've had that experience before. I've had the laughing thing. I've had that. Um, but this, this time of receiving the Holy Spirit for the first time, I'll tell you the number one thing that changed in me when I received the Holy Spirit was that my mind was no longer in control because I was raised to think doctrine, doctrine, doctrine. Is this a good, is this good what this guy's saying? Now oh, that seems true. I think something that guy said was wrong. Don't listen to that guy ever again. i thinking, thinking, thinking about my whole life. Am I making the right decisions? Am I obeying all of God's laws? And when I received the Holy Spirit, suddenly this Spirit of God that lives inside of me trumped all of my thoughts. And from that point forward, God didn't have to defend himself to me. He didn't have to explain himself to me. And I lived on this much more peaceful plane where if I'm driving down the highway and I feel something in me, where I feel the Spirit of God saying, I'm not telling you why, I just want you to exit the highway right now. I'm (laughs) I'm getting off the highway because I want Him. I want to obey Him. I want to go where He's leading, and I do not have to understand Him anymore. That's life in the Spirit. So people who are like chafing it when we talked about faith and you're like, praying in the Spirit, I don't know about that, or any of the stuff about being baptized in the Holy Spirit, I would just say, keep tabs on your brain, and your mind is not supposed to be running the show of your life. The Spirit of God living in you is supposed to be running the show, and you just read the scriptures and tell me if he explained everything to everybody that he was giving commands to, or if it seemed rational, the kind of decisions he was calling people into. Hey, Noah, start building an ark in the desert. That was the end. There was no, there was no more big explanation. Just start doing what I say. And Noah heard the spirit of God and he started doing it. again, we talked about Abraham. Go to a place I'll describe to you later. Just start heading that way. He packs up. Starts down the road, and I I assume at some point as his family's traveling, he goes, now where are we going again, God? That's what walking in the Spirit is supposed to be like. And if you don't know the sort of creativity of that place and the sort of of out-of-control feeling of walking with the Spirit, I would ask you if you have been baptized in the Holy Spirit. That's how life is supposed to look for us. Jesus said, people who are led by the Spirit, they look like the they look like the wind. You can't see where they came from or where they're going. There is something kind of crazy and inexplicable about the patterns of their lives. That's what it looks like to be led by the Spirit. I didn't expect to be in Cincinnati at this point in my life. I did not expect to be part of a megachurch. I promise you that. I didn't expect to be talking into a video camera about any of the stuff that I learned in a back room from a guy in Fort Worth 20 years ago. I didn't expect any of this stuff. God's led me to where I am. And I want you to have that same experience. I, I can say for myself, I don't have regrets about my life because he's led me here through repentance. Um, I didn't coordinate my life, the life that I have in him. He's done this thing in me. I, I want to keep walking with him in this way. It's like the best life ever is living by the spirit. So I just gave this away. But the end thing is death to self-reliance and the need to control. You die to those things. I'm not reliant on myself anymore. God can do it. And I don't have to control anything anymore. He's in control. And the result of this baptism, the out of being baptized in the Holy Spirit, is something out of the mouth. You find that in every single story in the Bible. We've got them all listed for you about tons of stories where people receive the Holy Spirit. And what you find in each one of them is they either praise, they prophesy, or they speak in tongues. It comes out of the mouth of every person who receives the Holy Spirit. And there's also fruit. There's a new kind of fruit that happens. Um, for me, there was just like much greater peace. I walked in grace. I had old friends that would tell me, I, you were always um, kind of uh, judgmental. And I feel like there's more grace in you right now. And I would say, it's because I received the Holy Spirit. Ever heard of him? And they would all go, no, because we're Baptists just like you. We never heard of the Holy Spirit. This also, this third baptism of being baptized in the Holy Spirit is one time only, but the ongoing skill is in being repeatedly filled, repeatedly filled. Ephesians 5.18 says, be continually being filled by the Holy Spirit. That's how Paul says it. That's the best way I can translate that verse. Be continually being filled with the Holy Spirit. So we could even say to him right now in the room right now, Holy Spirit, we receive you. We want you to fill us up from the bottom to the top. I want to walk in you. I don't, I I repent of being led by my mind and my emotions and my will, they are lousy leaders. You're the leader that I want. You just, we can just receive them right now. We can say, I, I want you to fill me up now. Okay, so I'll just have a, I have a little note here. I think being properly birthed into Jesus, I just say it's where the rubber meets the road. That is, you've repented, R-B-B-R, repent. Repent, believe on Jesus, be baptized in water, and receive the Holy Spirit. R-B-B-R. Romans 8 kind of says that. Okay, and we're going to talk about the baptism by fire later in this series. So we'll talk about that later. I know you'd love to hear about it, but I think we've got enough right now, which is um, first baptism, baptism into Christ. I know that that's happened for everybody in this class. If it hasn't, you're in the wrong class. Um, but I I will question each of you, where are you with relationship to the body? Are you in proper alignment to the body? If not, let's start repenting and start asking the Lord to do something. You got to be in correct relationship to the body. Number two is um, being baptized into water and repenting. If you haven't done that, you should take a long, hard moment and, and say, am I willing to die? Am i willing to die to all my old life my old ambitions um, the things that used to motivate me whether that's money or a career or a way that I look towards other people or whatever am I willing to die and if you are you need to be baptized in water and you need to ask somebody around you would you do this with me for me let's get a group together let's make it happen I would also just underline again repentance isn't something we're doing as a hobby for a few weeks it's going to be uh, the rest of our lives we're going to be repenting so we're going to get good at that skill and then the third thing is that we um, we all need to be baptized in the Holy Spirit if you want power the power that God promises if we want to walk in this deep place of intimacy with the Lord and hear his voice I can't tell you how how my relationship with him changed after having that experience I mean he's my friend now i mean i i I didn't know what that meant at all after years of going to church and even i know people who have dedicated their lives to jesus i've known them i met them out on the mission field they've dedicated their lives to studying the bible doing what it says and honoring god and they do not have an intimate relationship with him that's what you you're missing the holy spirit if you don't have that where i'm supposed to know his feelings i want to hear his voice I want to know who he's telling me to date. I want to. I want to feel him tell me it's time to stop eating now, Stephen. I want that relationship with him. I don't want to. If the Bible's all I've got to go on, I got. I got to live most of my life taking stabs in the dark. I want to walk with him as a friend. I want to talk to him. That's you're missing the Holy Spirit. If the, if that describes you. Um, and then the ongoing skill again is being repeatedly filled, being filled by him, which is simple, as simple as asking for it and doing like what I just said, which is, God, I don't want my mind to run the show. I, today, I let my flesh be on the throne. I don't want my flesh to be on the throne. I don't want to give in to my base desires. I want your spirit to reign in me. Come fill me right now. I want you to fill me. We sing that as, as praise songs. I love those praise songs. It's a good discipline for me to sing, fill me now, Lord, fill me now. So anyways, here's the three baptisms. Um, it's a skill. I want you guys to be better at these skills so that you can taste more of his goodness. And I bless your time in your um, skills groups this week. I bless all of your quiet times in the coming week while you unpack this stuff. I hope you look up all of these passages, spend time with the Lord around them around them and ask him, Lord, what do you want me to do? What's my next step in these things? Bless you guys. I'll see you next time.